Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's women's football show. Um, what a 24 hours it has been. It's the morning after world records were broken, history makers at Wembley, and two of those people who were part of all of that joined me this morning. Jack and Louise, good morning. How are you both after yesterday's crazy historic day? Morning, Laura. Yeah, all good here. I'm just, yeah, still sort of taking it in, really. We knew it was going to be a, a, like you say, a historic day, but it, just to see it in the in the flesh was was genuinely a, a privilege and and sort of a, a I think because obviously this is this has been such a massive year the last twelve months we've talked about it so much and and how much the the women's game has grown in that time but but you really got a sense of that by by being at Wembley yesterday you can talk about it so much but to to see it from my own eyes was was something else and and yeah a, a, a wonderful occasion but I, I really enjoyed it. Louise, how was it for you? It, it was great. I, I really loved it. The atmosphere, like like Jack said, was was wonderful. And even walking into the stadium, you just saw people from all walks of life with all different shirts on, and you could hear them talking about players. Or I hope Rachel Williams gets on, and oh, I hope Nick Goldson scores. Or you know, I, I think Chelsea go away. Like you could hear it in the house line. I just, you know, you don't get that every day. And and like Jack said, it was a huge, huge privilege to be there. I loved it. Oh, amazing. Now, for those of you that don't know, where have you been? Um, But yesterday, Chelsea did win the Women's FA Cup final for the fifth time. Absolutely ridiculous. But it was in front of 77,000 people. Almost 80,000 fans packed into Wembley, a number that we haven't seen since the Lionesses have been playing there. And for a domestic game, world records were smashed. So not only did it beat last year's FA Cup final, which was almost 50,000, but it broke the world record for domestic football after beating the Barcelona and Atletico Madrid which was 60,739. So they did it by quite a bit, really, didn't they? They absolutely smashed it. Yeah, I think but I think the FA Cup is, is its own spectacle in its own way. And the amount of people that I know bought tickets as soon as they went on sale before they even knew what clubs were there. And I think because it's always been that showcase game for, for the women's side, you know, it's the only game that was televised, especially when I was a kid. It's the only game that they they dedicated airtime to and you know you had to be there you wanted to be there to your only game so uh, it, it's fantastic that it's growing but I think it's going to become its own event if that makes sense it's not just any domestic game this it doesn't matter if you're who you support you want to be at the FA Cup final because it, it's magic it really is magic and that's actually it's it, it was reflected in the tickets wasn't it because there actually wasn't that many we we briefly spoke about it I think um, in our pre-match, but also in some of the pieces of the content that we've been doing. But the clubs didn't actually get that many tickets for their fans. And I think, I just want to actually ask you both, do you think it's better that way for the women's game? Because we know there's so many neutral supporters. And like you said, Louise, people buy tickets before they even know who's going to be playing in that final or do you think we can get more of a balance with that? Louise, I'll go to you first on that one. Um, you know, 
before before going there, I thought that was that was a joke. I'm gonna be really honest. I thought, how can you only give the biggest some of the biggest clubs in England eight thousand tickets to fill a stadium like that? But honestly, like being there, and you had you had uh, Chelsea on my right. You had like the whole the, the whole stand bit, and then you had my yard on the left, and it just created that atmosphere. And then you had everyone else in the middle. So it created that really crazy atmosphere that you want. So actually, in my opinion, it worked. And, and for being sat in the middle and seeing it from both sides, it was brilliant. Um, there was a, a, a fair few empty seats, so I wonder what happened there. But so shit, that's hot. But um, I actually liked how it worked out. I don't know. I don't know what you think, Jack. Yeah. No. No. I, I thought. Generally, the, 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 the it works well. I think if you, it, I was sort of on the left hand side of the the press box, so we sort of looked over to 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 the Manchester United end, and for all the talk of their allocation and issues with the size of their section, you you wouldn't have known that if you just turned up at the game yesterday, because there was it was a, a sea of red shirts, um, and even in the even in the sort of supposed, ask, I guess, the neutral sections that you're talking about, the sort of people that, that bought tickets before the teams, we knew which teams were in the final, um, there still seemed to be a, a real swath of support for, for Manchester United, uh, which which surprised me in, in a good way. I know Mark Skinner often talks about them, that, that, they, that he's got the best fans in the country. Um, and and yeah, fair play to them. They, they, they turned up in their numbers yesterday. And, and, and like you say, I think it, it's not a bad thing for the Women's FA Cup final to have a, a sort of part of a neutral section as well. We, we went outside, didn't we, Louise? Had a quick look onto Wembley Way, sort of ninety minutes or so before kickoff, and and we we we, we both spoke about how we saw a lot of Arsenal shirts, at Manchester City shirts, but you know clubs that weren't there, but but people were still making the most of it, enjoying the occasion, and I, you know for the for the women's game, I, I don't see that as being an issue. I, I also like that the edge that allocated sections um, brings to, to football I, you know whether it's men's football women's football I don't really care I just what I, I think that does bring a good atmosphere to the game but, but there was plenty of that yesterday there was plenty of you know we had plenty of United chance we had, we had uh, and Chelsea we, we know as well have always been historically one of the best uh, supported sides in the, in the women's game and they were very vocal as well so yeah no no I think for all the talk of ticket allocations a few months prior the atmosphere was 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 electric throughout yesterday. It was it was really great to see. I was just going to pipe in and be like, yeah. And I, I mean, on the train coming down there, I remember saying like, I haven't seen the Chelsea shirt yet. I'm actually a bit worried for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I was on a Manchester Sunderland train. That might have been why. But <laughs> as I got to the overground, even like in London, I'm like, I haven't seen a lot of Chelsea shirts. Like Manchester really turned up yesterday, and I was I was really proud. Yeah, to to write for them, I represent them in that sort of sense. I love that. I mean, I was back at base watching from on the TV and even the support came because sometimes, you know, Wembley is filled, but it doesn't necessarily come across in the same way through broadcasting. But yesterday it was something so special to see. And I think that's what's beautiful about the women's game is that there are going to be Arsenal supporters and City supporters and there are going to be supporters from all clubs there because it is a spectacle and it is an event, like you say, Louise. And I think it I think it will become that in the future. Um just a quick one on how then we move forward 
with the domestic game. We've, we've we're back to the league this week. I won't talk too much about the league, even though it is going to be very spicy because Chelsea have got another game that they're playing in hand this week. So how far do we still have to go with the clubs? Because we know that even still, we Jack, you speak about Chelsea supporters. They're incredible. They're massive. And there has been talk this season on King's Meadow being too small for them, essentially. How do we move forward in the next year, couple of years? Because it's also been said by so many people that it's almost a case of running before you can walk the growth of the game. How do the the clubs and the the chairman, the chairwomen, how do the boards all support their women's teams in now growing that? Because they're not going to be able to stay at Lee Sports Village and Kings Meadow for the rest of their lives. How do you see it moving forward in the next year or two? Jack, I'll go to you first. Yeah, it's 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 a, a great question. I, I don't think there's an easy answer. To be fair to these, we, you know, we often um, the, the 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 sort of you know the power brokers in the women's game often get a lot of a lot of stick. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, rightly questioned, um, particularly by us in the media. But but we there is no easy answer to this because they will uh, eventually outgrow the grounds they're at. That I think we're like you say we're already starting to see that um with Chelsea, with Arsenal I think in particular as well. But but the ideal solution is probably to, for them to have sort of half maybe the majority of their games at a sort of a, a stadium that sits somewhere capacity wise between where they're at now and their men's uh, stadium which you know the <laughs> realistically can you can Chelsea expand Kings Meadow can they find a new site uh, for the women's team that has 20,000 selling out every week it's not easy to do that in in that part of London so they're not it's it's, it's not a straightforward solution um but it is also it's you know it's a bit of a boring answer but it's just it's a gradual thing it will take time and Arsenal I know this week have announced that they're playing more uh, league games next season at the Emirates, which is natural, and I think I'm sure Chelsea, United, uh, Manchester City, they'll, they'll all follow. You know, the, the top clubs in the league will all be playing more games at, at the Men's Stadium, and also great to see the other clubs further down the division do, doing the same thing. I think once that happens, once they're playing at their men's stadiums, sort of four or five times a season, and getting you know hopefully getting a few sellouts in there as well. Um, that then we'll we'll be on the on the path to to yeah they will know then that they've expanded they've uh, outgrown the likes of Kings Meadow Lee Sports Village like you say um, but it will take time and 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 the fans to be fair that turn up week in week out to those grounds let's not let's not forget that that they make it a fantastic atmosphere even though it's some of those smaller smaller capacities um, so we we shouldn't sort of overlook that or forget them in the in the quest for for constantly progressing the game. I like the smaller grounds as well, though, and I think I've I've listened to Emma Hayes say it, like I want them, I want teams to come to Kings Meadow to us and, and it's our home. We own it. That well, you know, uh, we've made it ours and we've made it. Um, so it's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? She got the word I'm looking for. Fortress. I use fortress. Intimidated. That's it. I'm in and fortress. I'm gonna spill your word. Our fortress. Um, I make it through there. And and Mark Skinner says the same, you know, these sports villages are ours. And I think when you have that you have a big crowd in a in a small stadium, it makes everything 
smaller. So for teams that aren't used to that, it's, it's quite intimidating and fans feel closer, although they're not. Um, and I, I like that raw aspect of of what we've got with women's football. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I want to see like the big stadiums are doing, and I think you're right, Jack, it's going to take time and it's going to take a few more games next year and then a few more games at the biggest stadiums next year. Um, but I think it, you've got to look at how the, who owns the grounds and then how how they can navigate that sort of stuff. So I know like City sets up is a bit different. You know, they play at the, the training ground, but they have so much facility so they can expand here, expand there. They own all that. Do you know what I mean? So it's a lot easier than it is for sport, the sports village, uh, a separate entity, and, and, and so to speak. I think as well, um, there's there's one club in the WSL that is that keeps bringing to mind on... I guess how far behind they really are, um, and that's Everton. They literally play at Walton Hall, Hall Park, and they they still have a great fan base. Like they played at Goodison, and they had a really good crowd. And it seems the complete opposite to Spurs, who have tried playing at the Spurs Stadium. And I know Goodison and Spurs Stadium. Are just you can't really put them on the same scale and compare them that much, but there are still teams that are so far behind. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a bit of a wild card question in here: how do we how do we get those to catch up first? Do we get them to catch up first so that we're not playing? We we don't have teams in the top top flight of the women's game essentially playing in a park. How how do you think that can go, Jack? I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I suppose in a, in a few years, like I say, I talk about being gradual. In, in in a couple of years, I'd definitely like to see some sort of minimum stadium requirement, whether that's in terms of capacity or, or facilities. You know, us inside the media, we talk a lot about the the, the wide ranging scale of, of of press facilities you get at these stadiums throughout the season, which is natural when one week you're at the you know one week you're at the Emirates and the next week you're you're at Meadow Park. It's gonna you know that's that's sort of inevitable, but. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think we can just, you, you can only do, you can, the, the clubs are only showing as much interest as they can. You know, we can't sort of force clubs to to to, to play a certain amount of games at, a certain, at the men's stadium. Yeah, I don't think we're at that stage yet. Um, but in two or three years time, you would hope as well that with some of the other clubs that, that potentially could be coming up to the WSL in a few years, there will be more pressure on the likes of Everton, Tottenham to invest invest further you know all risk being left behind or all, all risk you know we've seen Spurs as well obviously are in a, a relegation dogfight this season um, and that, that that could be a sign of things to come at it it will I think as, as the game continues to develop and, and grow the, playing at stadiums that, that aren't suitable and aren't fit for purpose it will have a knock-on effect on the team in terms of the, the team will start to feel are, are we being taken seriously are we a top priority here and and I think in future years the WSL will be full of clubs that that are prioritising their women's teams because um, if you're not, you'll you'll just be left behind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've gone on. We can talk about this all day because there's whole other argument of are the stadiums also too big in terms of the the difference with the amount of ACLs that that Arsenal have got and the whole league has got. But we'll park that for another day. Just want to drop that little bomb in there for people to remember. And um, we will move back to the FA Cup now at Wembley. It was a spectacle. There was nothing negative about the day. I mean, Jack Chelsea five times holders now. Um, Emma Hayes has done it 
of course it was Sam Kerr, but she did have help from their new super sub, Harder, who is now back from injury. Um, can anybody stop them now? Because they look quite flat in the first 45, especially. I thought United run them rampant. They were all over them. Um, what were your thoughts on, on the performance, first of all? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you, Laura. I think the first, I, I was with um, our, our colleague Megan, sat, sat with her in the press box. I think we both said after twenty minutes, Chelsea just didn't look like they were they, they weren't executing their tactic. It wasn't even a tactical issue. It was just they weren't executing what that what they've been set out to do by Emma Hayes. They barely strung three passes together. It felt like in that in that first twenty minutes. And I think I wrote that, that in the analysis that that they looked spooked, and I'd, I'd stand by that. I think that was. That was the sense, and which which is strange because they were the side that obviously they're used to Wembley, they're used to the FA Cup final. This was Manchester United's first rodeo, and yet they were absolutely you know on it from the first twenty minutes. Um, and you know, it's just from a United point of view. I know Louise will talk about it in, in greater detail, but they will regret not not scoring while they're on top because they were they were far the better side for that 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 opening twenty five minutes. It, it took Chelsea a long long time to get going, but that's this is what Chelsea do. They they drag you in. It's like a it's like a boxer who's just dragging you into like a slow, drawn out fight. They 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 hold it. They hang on in games, and in the second half, although I still don't think they were, they, we didn't see the sort of complete Chelsea performance that I thought we might get. But they were just starting to push United further and further back, a bit like a military operation. It was just slower and slower each time. United were going back further, further and further in towards their own goal. Um, and then they get undone with with one brilliant pass from Guru Raitan. Like you say, uh, Laura Penila Hardo is, is quickly becoming a sort of super sub, which just is ridiculous considering this. just sums up the strengths of, of Chelsea's bench, I guess. But Emma Hayes was quick in a in a post match press conference to to praise Penila Hardo. Obviously, as you'd expect, there were multiple questions about Sam Kerr. She did say she's never coached a player like like Sam Kerr before. Um, but but Penila Harder, she was very quick to play praise Penila Harder afterwards because she was the the game changer. She was the spark that that ignited Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's fight yesterday. Um, because before that they were just it just felt like they were just hanging on in the game. But that's, that's what they do. This is why this is this is why they're brilliant. And and also one sorry one last thing that that Emma Hayes also said, which I thought was interesting in a, in a uh, press conference. Talked about there's a, there is sometimes a sort of snobbish approach to to the best way to win a football match. We often talk about playing the perfect way. You know, Manchester United played some great football yesterday. You know, it was possession based, out from the back, some some lovely passages of play. But there's there's a hundred different ways to to win a football match. I think, and and we do overlook sometimes the, the scrappy nature of, of of teams who just want to want to be defensive, want to be solid. I want to cling on in games and just stop stop their opponents playing. I think that the word Emma Hayes used a lot was grind. It was a, it was the grind that got Chelsea over the line yesterday. Um, and I think yeah, it's it, it was a, it was a great performance in a way because although it wasn't a, an amazing attacking spectacle, it was a performance that's really summed up what they've they've all been about this season. Um, and yeah, I, I thought in the end, United was still could still feel unlucky, you know, harshly done by, but but. You've got to take your hats off to Chelsea. Louise, I mean, Skinner's got to be proud and because it was valiant and it was, they were brilliant. And like Jack said, it's their first time 
in the cup final and at Wembley. Talk me through United, please, because I want to hear more about them. I want to celebrate them more, even though they didn't win. You know what? I'd sat down in that press box. I'd got the staff ready and I'd looked up and we'd scored. And I was going, <laughs> what? I know I was, what just happened? Like, you, you do it's 20 seconds, Neil Goldson found the back of the net. Now, yeah, it's ruled offside and yeah, I get that fine. But for me, I was like, you know, they mean business today. They're not, they're not shying away from this. And then I think that is what was standing that first 45 go. We can do it again. We can do it again. Those, I'll be really honest, I think they should have been 2 0, 3 0 up at half time because they had enough chance that they had four, if that had been counted, they had four really, really good efforts. So I'm like, they, they really should be finishing them. But they've had games like this all season where I, I forgive me, I can't remember who it's against, but they've had ridiculous amounts of shots on goal and, and maybe were like 2 3 nil. Like it, there's that clinical aspect at the end. And while we have got world class, you know, we've got Nick Alton, Alessio Russo, and yeah, and the two in servicing as well in there. Nikita Paris driving in. We've got all the talent. It's just that final bit. But what I found interesting is actually the game. Um, Mark Skinner did mention the physicality part of it in the middle. And I was a bit shocked by that because Hayley Ladd in the middle of the park for me runs the show. She is brilliant. It's elbows out and, and she means business. And especially against Tottenham last week, she was brilliant. She was like first in really strong um, and I was excited to see her today going like her against Erin Cuthbert that, that's the battle I want to see I want to see Ona Baje and Lauren James and I want to see the Hayley Ladd and Erin Cuthbert because they're just fantastic players to, to watch no matter who you're a fan of so, but he he identified the the physicality, and that's where Chelsea won today. And and so I took some time and reflected on it. I was like, oh, maybe he's right because as soon as Emma Hayes brought on, and um, and you mentioned it, Sophie in goal, he's like, they're not your fancy football players. No disrespect, they're not your fancy football players, but they get the job done. They're there to break you down, and they did. They did exactly that just after halftime. Emma Hayes was like, right, Sophie Ingle, come on in. And I've watched him do it time and time again. And I don't know how she does it. Fantastic. And she just breathes. And you could see it just fall apart bit by bit, like Jack said, and slowly get further back like a military operation. And it was hats off to Chelsea. I don't know how they've done it. To overcome that sort of hunger and prior passion as well from United. Oh, it's, what a game. Even as a, you know, well, backing United, what a game. And, and, and yeah. Had enough hats off to, to Chelsea. It, it was an amazing game, and, and it it was those battles that we saw in it. It is that military operation that it's kind of painful, isn't it? Really, to to watch a little bit, and you kind of your heart breaks. I mean, my I'm I don't have obviously, and we talk about this. You don't really need an affiliation to enjoy women's football, and I was genuinely devastated for United. Just, I was so gutted for them. I was also, I felt, also felt really sad when Ella Toon came off the pitch. Um, I want to talk about Toonie a little bit because she looked so dejected when she got subbed off. I mean, we know that she can score at Wembley. Um, what? How do you think it went wrong for her a little bit 
Louise, in terms of she didn't get the back of the net? Um, for, for me, she did. The first half of the first half, she was doing really well. She was getting up and attack. She was high. She was dangerous. Um, and then it just started to sort of slip at the end of the first half for me. And I thought, well, maybe she's a bit tired, you know. So a lot of energy going into that, a lot of emotion. We'll see her second half. And then I wrote this in my player ratings as well, and my report of she started to slow the game down. So when she was cutting in in front, you know, from the flank, she's cutting in. When I'm like, why don't you trust your left foot? Put a, put a ball in. And and it's like she wasn't quite trusting that. And she'd cut in and, and run into trouble a couple of times. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> change your tactics, whatever. Like, you'll find it. You'll make it work. And I was really aching for her to come on and and, and really change the game. But it, she wasn't then taking the chances. There was a, there was a perfect opportunity uh, in the second half, where she could just fire the ball in. Instead, she tried to pass it back to Alessia Russo. And I'm like, but she's got plays around. Like, what? Like, maybe your decision making's a bit off. So, what Mark Skinner said after the game, she did look dejected um, big time. She looked really, really <laughs> not happy. Because um, I think she knows she can perform better than that. She can do better than this. And, and uh, Mark Skinner did say it was not her game today, it was a physical game that, that doesn't doesn't gel well for other two. She needs a different style of game. She needs time on the ball, which she got in the first half, but then it, it just really fell away, fell away in the second. And uh, she didn't really get time on the ball after that, other than, like I said, cutting in, slowing the game right down. Like, you need to be quicker, you need to be faster. So something's not quite right there for me either. It'll be interesting to see how she comes back from that, I think, in their next their next match. Because... Oh, she won't like that stuff, though. It'll be a proof of the point, I think. I think we'll come back, but you know what? No, bang, this is how I want to play. And uh, City needs to help out the weekend. Of course. I mean, we literally do not have enough time to talk about that, but there is a Manchester derby at the weekend, um, which is, uh, yeah, that that's a whole nother ball game, literally. Um, was there anybody in either of the teams, because obviously Harder was a standout for me, I mean, I know Kerr put it in the back of the net, but it, it was it was that super sub for me. But was there anybody else for Chelsea that stood out for you, Jack? Because I know we talked about it, it was a bit flat, but was there anybody else that that you thought they might have been able to change the game if, if Harder hadn't have come on? Well, I think um, to be fair, she, she, like Louise said, Sophie Ingle did change the game in terms of Stopping those 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 through balls that where United were getting on Chelsea's wrong side in the first twenty minutes when it looked like almost every attack United were going to score, um, then Sophie Ingle's introduction really cut that out in the second half. And I I thought you know she like she said it's, it's a lot of the unglamorous work in midfield, isn't it? It's a lot of the, the chasing down lost causes, blocking passes, you know, stopping runners. It's just the it's just the basics, but the basics done really well. Um, and I thought. You know, she she did miss a great chance at the end um, to, to to sort of wrap it all off after a nice bit of play from Sam Kerr out wide. And and had she done that, I mean, it, you could have you could have argued for her as almost player of the match, like harder. Weirdly, the two two substitutes almost competing for player of the match. I think that kind of sums up the the game and the way the momentum shifted. Um, and I thought, you know, to be fair, as, as much as I didn't think any, I thought Eve Eve Perise as well did a, did a solid job down down the. In the in the right back slot for for Chelsea and that 
because it's as a defender, we we know it's it's not always easy when, like it was in the first twenty minutes, you you, you feel like you're being overloaded a little bit. You know, it feels like every attack you, you're fighting fires, trying to cut cut out dangerous passes. And I thought actually, to be fair, the Chelsea back four, although their overall defensive shape looked a little off, I thought the back four dealt with that quite well. And and Perisay was probably the the pick of those players. Um, and yeah, I mean, give it given. It's an obvious thing to say, really, but giving giving Sam Kerr a, a, a mention just has to happen because uh, she she didn't do do you know she wasn't heavily involved in yesterday's game and, and and Mark Skinner pointed out afterwards he said I think we we do know how to stop her it's just that we didn't do it on one occasion you know we did let her go in behind on one occasion as they did in the game at Kings Meadow that I mentioned on the preview and it it, it makes a difference and you know she she she. Had a couple of nice touches in in other phases of play, but she she was she she wasn't heavily involved. But that one moment that that's what's killed the game. That's won them the cup. Um, I think is it you know something it's it, a, a record in finals now is five goals in 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 three FA Cup final appearances. That's just that's just ridiculous. You know that's like that's that's that sums up if you if you want to define big match player, then then look no forward than Sam Kerr. So I, 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 I'd almost say it's again, it's an obvious pick, but I'd, I'd say between her and Harder for, for, for player of the match, I thought it was a really tough call. I, in the end, went went for Harder um, in in my report, but I know that yeah, a lot of uh, you, you can't argue against Kerr because because it's what she does on the big occasion. She steps up, wins Chelsea the cup, um, but this was also as Emma Hayes rightly pointed out, a victory for the sort of the the dogged defensive work that that often goes unseen, often goes unspoken about um yeah the the you know sophie ingle as well definitely deserves a mention i think that's all sad i mean literally first of all you can't talk about sam kerr without just uh, saying her full name it is sam kerr um (laughs) but also that is all she needs isn't it is one chance and skinner said and rightly so they unfortunately gave her that chance. Um, Louise, I'll ask the same question to you. Was there anybody that was standout for you? Because I think it was a from from my point of view, from from home, it was it was a solid squad effort. Um, but I want to know from from your United point of view, was there anybody that stood out for you? Um, honestly, um, I think the backline were, were fantastic. I um I was really, really impressed with Melitissian and Millie Turner's link up because they've I reflected that they took it to the next level. It was like I know one moves, one covers. Like you get that that's tactically, but this was moving like they were doing it tele- telepathically. Like this was moving like it. And Sanko was in the middle, and they constantly had a cover. Like the first half was fantastic for me. And Ona Badger at the back, she's just a girl in style. She's just doing. She's in her own league, so you know she got four. But also, she got the best of. Um, Guru Wright in at the first half. I, I didn't see Guru Wright do anything really in the first half. So I'm like, so for me, um, and Hannah Blundell, I've got to mention as well on the opposite side, um, left back against Lauren James. When she held Lauren James up um, uh, in that first half and look, unluckily got away with a, um, a free kick. But when she was just standing up and I was like, stand, stand just, play, just keep, just stay, just stay, like, just keep holding her, just keep holding her because. You know, James is difficult and they, they dealt they dealt with that Chelsea attack, any Chelsea attack within the first half so, so well. And it started full part of the second half. But for me, I think 
I would give it Ona Baje because it's just next level and she got up into attack. But I have to really give credit to the whole back line, I think, for United yesterday, if that's, if that's doable. <laughs> That's doable. We'll take it. Jack had about three as well. So, you know, I think I don't think there might be one standout player. Um, okay, we are pretty much out of time now. I want to quickly, very, very, very briefly ask you who is going to win the title. We've had this debate already, but Chelsea are now ramping it up a thousand percent. Jack, United or Chelsea for the title? It's uh, so so hard to call. I'm, I, I listen. I got the the cup final prediction wrong as well because I said either United would win or we'd have an unbelievable attacking display from Chelsea that came out of nowhere. So I was wrong on both counts. I'm, I, I did say United um, two weeks ago uh, in a, in a piece I wrote for the Mirror, and I'm not going to change now purely off yesterday's display um, because I don't think yesterday. Listen, it's a massive moment in Chelsea's season. It's great they've got some silverware in the bag, but I don't think it alters the fact that the, the title race will be decided by Chelsea against Arsenal on Sunday at Kings Meadow. Um, I think Manchester United will win both of their remaining games. So Chelsea will have to have to do the same if they want to do it. And I just fancy Arsenal. Arsenal have always had a, a surprise result in them just when you think they're down and out throughout this season. So uh, l- listen, why not? Why not get another prediction wrong? I'm going to stick with, uh, <laughs> with Manchester United. Sorry, Manchester United fans. <laughs> Louise? I'm just going to consult that. <laughs> There's always a curveball in these podcasts that we're doing. That's why I help them, Jack, because he says it so well, and I'm like, oh, damn it. It's in Chelsea's hands. United have done all they can. I think they're, they're not going to let this affect them. They'll go out and win their two games. It's it's Chelsea's to lose, um, in my opinion, although I do, I am secretly hunting for United. I don't think that's a secret, Louise. I don't think it's a secret either, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do want to see them do it. I just want they deserve it. I really think they deserve it. They, they've really not um, lifted their foot off the gas at all, and and they deserve it. They really, really do. So, well, we've got two big derbies at the weekend. Literally, the top four playing each other. We've got the Manchester derby and we've got the London derby, Chelsea-Arsenal. Um, what a weekend. What two weekends. I mean, this really is a ridiculous end to the season. Um, I don't think it could be more exciting. Um, yesterday was a privilege, um, even just to watch from home. So I really hope that the women's game continues to grow, um, but also walks before it can run. And we continue to see that growth because like you've both said, I think it needs to be done gradually and a little bit slowly to really succeed and carry on that legacy. Um, Thank you both so much for joining me today. Um, Hopefully we'll see some spectacles at the weekend. It is a recipe for it. Um, And hopefully we will be back on your screens very shortly. So thank you so much both for joining me. 